If you want to learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune in to WP88.7. Every Wednesday at 8 p.m. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. And here we go. Listening to Music Biz 101 or more, your free advice radio show and podcast about the music business. Find us every Wednesday at Brave New Radio 88.7 FM on the campus of William Patterson the University in scenic Wayne, New Jersey, or on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio as a podcast. I'm your co-host, I'm your co-host, Professor David Kirk, Phil, with your other co-host, Dr. Esteban Marconi is in the bathroom. He will be back in a moment when he comes back. He's in, No, he's not in the bathroom. He's on assignment for a few minutes. When he comes back, okay. we will get going. But we are live pre-recording what you're listening to from Nashville, Tennessee at the Music Biz 2016 convention. We are here with Ken Umazaki from Digital Daruma. I said it all right. You got it. There we go. I said it all right. And we are also here with JJ Tam. Is it Tam or Tham? It's Tam, right? Mm, what would Tom. you say? Tom. Oh, Tom. Yeah. As in Tom and Jerry, but there's yeah. no Jerry. Okay. Yeah, JJ no Tom, uh, M- getting his MBA in music management from William Patterson, the university. Yay. I've already sta- started Dr. Marconi. We're already, you know, he's, he's, he's closing doors and um, he's no longer on assignment. We want to give thanks to the Music Business Association for giving us space here in the Nashville Convention Center for our William Patterson University students to connect and interview with some great guests like Ken. We want to give thanks to the folks at Van Dyne Bruno Inc. and White Hat Management who helped supply the funds which got JJ here. With artists like Charlie Puth, Dave Matthews, Sharon Jones, the Zap Kings, and Kissers, only one place to go for your band's business management. Dr. Marconi, have you met Ken? Yes, I have. All right, Ken, have you met Dr. Marconi? I have as well. And this is amazing, all these meetings. Um, there's only one place to go for your business management, and that is Van Dyne Bruno, Inc., or White Hat Management. Go to vb-cpa.com when it's best for you. And also, we want to give thanks to Christine Vey a wealth manager and the president of Vey Wealth Management. Christine has helped many of our professionals at William Patterson manage their investments and plan out for their retirement. If you are looking for some guidance on how to plan for your retirement, and you've been an investor, so we can talk about that a little bit, Ken. Um, When you're planning for whatever, or you have questions on anything from investments and portfolio management to insurance and retirement planning, you should give Christine a call, 732-455-1510. JJ, repeat after more. Repeat after me. 732. 732. 455. 455. 1510. 1510. And you can also email her, Christine at VeyWealth.com for advisement. JJ. Yes. Give your brief intro, introduction of Ken Umazaki. And then begin with your third degree, asking him questions. Do you understand all about the show now? I do. There Thank we you. go. There we go. So I'm now in. we are good to go. Dr. Marconi is, is, is online. So here we go. JJ Tam. Tom. All right. So we have Mr. Ken Umezaki over here from Digital Daruma. So Mr. Ken is a founder and president of Digital Daruma, has been involved in the music business full time since 2009 when he retired from a successful 20-year career in financial services. Mm. 
So he has substantial experience in starting new business lines for major investment banks, seeding and advising startups, capital market trading, managing large organizations, and asset management. So um, just a um, question about yourself. Um, I see that um, you are an investor, you are an advisor, and you are also a musician. So and in your position right now, um, how did you find a way, you know, to relate all those occupations together, you know, up to where you are right now? Okay, sure. So um, for about seven years now, um, I would characterize what I do as um, a, a small-time explorer or experimenter mm -hmm. in trying to make the music business friendly for creators. Mm -hmm. That's the unifying theme. So I invest in music technology startup companies. I have six companies I've invested in. Uh, I invest directly in artists. I do equity-like investing in artists. I've done mm -hmm. two deals so far mm -hmm. uh, like that. Um, I also invest in songs, and I have a, uh, a, uh, a multimedia music studio, if you will, or, or mm -hmm. recording studio in Manhattan that I co-founded this year. Cool. And all of those are sort of just representations or experiments, if you will, associated with can we make the new music ecosystem uh, friendlier for creators than it is today at a broad level. Uh, I'm also on a, I also advise, to your point, a number of uh, university programs related to music and technology, uh, two in particular, Berkeley College of Music's entrepreneurship program called ICE, and also uh, NYU's Music Ed Tech Lab, which is a lot of words, but that's what it is. Um, and I'm also on the uh, board of the Future Music Coalition, which is an artist. Yeah, the, the, the company is actually just me and a volunteer intern. Uh, or two, depending on the time. So it, it really is a shell company for all my music-related activities. Um, so it's not a, I, I wouldn't call it like a formalized company in any sense. Um, I, I do everything um, sort of on my own currently anyways. Um, so it's really a place to hold the investments I make um, to deal with just the day-to-day -day sort of businessy stuff that we do. So I've made about, what, an aggregate 12 or 13 investments in various music uh, projects. So it kind of houses that. That's really the entity there. So huge projects. No, these are all small. To me, they're pretty small. Um, <laughs> I would, I would, uh, I don't think I'm gonna move the needle in any significant way, but, <laughs> but maybe be a prototype or, or demonstrate that there is a different way to think about um, how to make, you know, a digital music consumption environment work for creators. I think that that would be the that would be the theme. How does it go when you invest directly into artists? You said you've done that yep. twice. What kind of artists and how does that whole deal work? Sure. So. Um, in terms of how it works, the, the style of investing, investing that we've kind of uh, narrowed down or narrowed into is actually, it looks like a management agreement in terms mm -hmm. of what the payout is, so mm -hmm. a percentage of net, you'd be very familiar mm -hmm. with that, mm -hmm. across everything they do. Um, and instead of providing, let's say, business services or, or business advice, which is what a manager does, um, we, uh, we provide capital. Right, that's mm -hmm. sort of the trick. Mm -hmm. And uh, the capital has a certain um, return associated with it, and when that return is realized, the agreement ends. That's mm -hmm. sort of the, the sort of way to do it. And the reason why we, we structured it that way was um, it's easier for artists and managers to understand that there's someone mm -hmm. that's gonna ride alongside the economics of a traditional mm -hmm. looking deal, as opposed to kind of getting really 
convoluted and oh it's a debt or you know it's a, attached mm -hmm. to this or whatever um, so that's those are the way the deals are structured is um, it like a label deal in that it's recoupable debt do they ever have to pay you back out pure, of pocket pure equity mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. purely as a percentage of whatever the artist nets across mm -hmm. everything that so all the risk does. is on you obviously yep. as the investor like other investors mm -hmm. projects Correct. it's an equity thing it's mm -hmm. deliberately that we deliberately decided to experiment with this notion of alternative partnership capital mm -hmm. that we think is necessary in fact I'm, I'm doing a, a, a talk tomorrow on, on this um, as part of the music biz uh, mm -hmm. um, conference so um, if you're interested in checking it out uh, please come mm -hmm. by um, but I think there is a void, not a void, but a, a need to explore um, alternative sources of capital for artist development. And I think that's, it's in the vein of that that we're doing this. There's a number of companies that are kind of focused on this right now. So, um, Do artists find you or do you seek out? It's a little of both. Um, I don't advertise this because mm. they're really hard to do. As you can mm -hmm. imagine, because a number of things have to come together. Forget the economics for a second. <laughs> there has to be a real need. Um, it, it's a certain type of, not necessarily genre or artist type per se, but you have to be at a certain part of your life cycle for this to make sense. Yeah. Because you're adding on to <laughs> what you're already paying out in net income terms as an artist beyond the management mm -hmm. contract. So, yeah. mm -hmm. so you have to have a certain stature already, um, or you're taking a big bet. Um, uh, in terms of trying to push the artist from where they are to some other, you know, destination, mm -hmm. and it mm -hmm. has to work economically. So, um, tends to have a you know minimum gross revenue threshold, which I won't disclose. But there's sort of mm -hmm. some things like yeah, that. The manager sure. has to have been around the artist for a bunch of years, not mm -hmm. just the new manager. Mm -hmm. The style mm -hmm. of the manager matters. Obviously, you got to love the music. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to try to find artists that are relatively free of what I call sort of handcuffs, which would be label deals or yeah. publishing deals that kind of constrain your ability to kind of zig and zag in the new mm -hmm. world order and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. there's a, uh, so long and short, there's a rock band out of San Francisco, which is a touring rock band, and then I have a pop act in New York that mm -hmm. I'm working with currently. Mm -hmm. I actually joined the management team. That's the other piece of this, which is... Um, as an advisor and maybe a little bit of a digital music truth seeker um, mm -hmm. and try to set um, many of the artists I think are just getting used to being in the digital world and I've done a fair amount of work in that so I'm hoping I can help in, the, in, the, in those ways as well. Mm -hmm. So in um, you talk about the digital music digital world um, in regards to that um, what kind of a trend do you see right now with the digital music world? Because we know technology advances so quickly, we cannot even catch up to it. Um, I, I would imagine you know, the trend would change so drastically in months or you know, in weeks. Mm. And <clears throat> what can you say about the music trend right now or moving into the future? Um, in terms of the business or in terms of sort of um, what, what business business okay all right so so I, I actually don't think it's changing that quickly um, I, I think it's taking an awful long time to people for uh, for the industry to uh, uh, catch on to the fact that uh, we have a highly distributed commoditized uh, consumption environment for mm -hmm. music so um, I um, get asked occasionally to give talks about my view on the music industry in general, and I actually feel like the biggest gap is between traditional business practices being analog 
and consumption right. being digital. In, in a world where you've mm -hmm. got literally over two trillion spins in the digital world happening last year, we don't have the architecture to support um, and to build new businesses um, with that as the sort of fundamental place where people are, 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 are paying for music. So, you know, whether it's micro pennies or the new, new realities of touring or new genres that are outside of the traditional label publishing box like EDM, mm. there, there are a lot of um, things that are in fact different that I think the industry doesn't quite comprehend yet. So yeah. I have, a, I have a, a whole thesis around some of the most important things that need to change, and some of my time is spent on a few of those. So uh, we can go into those if you like. But I see, I see. So yeah, um, I was fortunate enough to have Ken um, email me one of his um, slides in the talks that he did in New York University re just recently. Um, so if I um, interpret the slides correctly, um, I saw one of the slides that has a picture that says um, the annual global recorded music income is dropping. Mm -hmm. um, what might be the reason? What do you think? Sure. Um, so the music industry broadly, according to others, um, and you got to define it properly, but I think of it as, as what do you do with recorded music, which would include publishing, as well as sort of what you do on the, on the, on the piece side, if you will, of rights, and then, and then performance. So mm -hmm. those are the three big buckets, right? Mm. Um, there's other people will add other things. But that, indus that industry collectively, there's two basic observations. One is it's a really small industry. Mm, you yes. know, it's 50 to 60 billion globally. I always point out that IBM's a $100 billion revenue company and Ford sells 150 billion worth of trucks, so mm -hmm. trucks and cars, so it's pretty small. Those are single companies. Google mm -hmm. probably makes about the same amount of money as uh -huh. the entire music industry. Um, and the other important fact is, in aggregate, that number hasn't grown in about 15 years. Mm. Recorded music has gone down. Right. It's been made up by areas such as live and publishing. But you know, at a high level, the industry is actually kind of flatlined and mm. for a really long time. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with we've got this kind of choke point as it relates to um, realizing that we are in a digital, again, consumption world. Right. And until we get a lot more of the um, industry aligned with the notion that that could be a good thing as opposed to neutral or bad in some cases. Some people think it's great, of course, um, but not enough. Until we have more success stories around how the new stuff could work for creators uh, and maybe reduced friction across sort mm. of what, how much a consumer provides in terms of dollars and how much trickles down to the average artist. Those kinds of things are all things that I know this all may sound abstract, but it's really, really important that we actually start figuring out some of these problems. So a lot of my talks are, are, are centered around the three or four things that I feel we can change and should be changing to make it a much more uh, digital-friendly world. I see. Well, the, the labels have always had such control. Mm -hmm. So then they were losing control, so they decided actually to invest in like a Spotify and so on, so they wind up paying themselves and yeah. now the artists many artists are not choosing major labels anymore because they realize number one it was really not the greatest revenue stream anyway they never made like if you weren't Britney Spears you didn't make a ton yeah. of money and secondly that if you're not radio friendly you really don't need them anymore yep. so now there's this all this it used to be a fragmented business now it's triple fragmented than it was 
and those are the things you're you're kind of talking about that how can we make this flow from the digital world to the right people in a more efficient manner yeah you you you, the 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 factoids that i i throw out a lot are are things like you know there are literally twenty five thousand songs a day being um distributed through uh, digital digital service providers like Spotify, like uploaded, you mean? Yeah, like yeah. actually commercially commercially delivered into mm-hmm. the system, right? So these aren't the SoundCloud tracks, which you know someone just puts yeah, up. This is right. literally somebody decided that I want to release this. Mm-hmm. Twenty five thousand a day. A day. Mm-hmm. That's seven million a year. That's seventy million over wow. the next ten years, and I'm I'm convinced that that number is going up, not down, mm-hmm. um, over time for lots of reasons. Um, 400 hours a minute of YouTube UGC content being delivered. I mean, like, mm-hmm. folks, it's a commoditized world on yes. the consumption side. Mm-hmm. Um, the options available to artists, to your point, um, are, are uh, there are much, there are much more, uh, m- many more options around all aspects of how you manage your business as an artist now. The problem is that it looks like a, a jungle. Mm-hmm. The, the service providers that you can choose from, they're, they're literally 5,000 artists facing um, digital service providers in the world. That's someone else's quote. I mean, that's crazy as a manager. I'm sure yeah. you know this. Like, yeah. which one do I use? Now, they also tend to solve one problem out of 10. I always think of the artists as having to create, promote, monetize. And there's 10 verbs, right, mm-hmm. that, that every artist and every manager thinks about. There, there's, most of these services touch one or two of those, those verbs, yeah. if you will. And, that's not a great place to be. So a lot of what I think needs to happen, and some of it's happening in the industry already, is sort of consolidating artist services around things like direct to fan, mm-hmm. right? Different ways of monetizing that kind of bypass the middleman friction costs yeah. and stuff like that. I'm, I'm seeing, actually, I, I'm personally having been in the journey now for about seven years in terms of investing and seeing the new stuff on the artist side. It, we're, we're hitting a new era where I think some combination of consolidation and you know enough people mm-hmm. who are independent artists outside of the traditional system, if you will, mm-hmm. is, uh, is getting to this really, really interesting inflection point where I think we're going to see some significant mm-hmm. wins for the industry mm-hmm. or, or the people who are playing in this crazy jungle and also for, for artists. We're going to see more success stories outside of the box, if you will, that I think is really important for us to, to drive this thing home. But, it, but in America, we can't even, uh, at least in most parts of the, the developed world, you have one collection point mm-hmm. for, we, we can't even decide on doing that in America. I mean, the performing rights people won't, sure. mechanical, the digital, Nobody wants to say, okay, let's have this one central place right. that an artist or some or anyone in the business can go to get their collection. Right. It's it's so fragmented. Yeah, and, and built over some very long period of time long for period. some set of reasons that are no longer valid. Like you would never do a collections uh, right. business model this way if you knew what was going on today. For yeah, sure. exactly. So one of, one of my crazier projects, which I haven't mentioned yet, is um, there's there's five of us who created an organization called Dot Blockchain Music Format Project. I was just going to ask you about yeah. the blockchain. Yeah. So so uh, myself, a gentleman named Benji Rogers, and a couple of others, including Bill Wilson, who is um, from, from Music the, Biz. From Music right? Biz. Um, oh. The five of us have, have co-founded an organization, uh, which is really a coding project. 
And what we want to do is um, create a mechanism for creators to upload their music mm -hmm. into a new music format. So think of it as replacing MP3 or Wave or whatever. Mm -hmm. Replacing sounds wrong. Addition to, I guess. Um, and the technology architecture underneath it to support a much more open and transparent um, sort of data architecture, mm -hmm. partly by using the blockchain um, and, uh, and allowing creators to express what they want directly into the file, make, it, make the file immutable, and then also build a uh, payments infrastructure, a direct mm -hmm. payments infrastructure mm -hmm. behind it. Um, I know it sounds crazy, it's a pretty big project. Uh, right. Who knows if it'll work, but we are in the midst of uh, coding the first iteration of this. We're hoping Ooh. to have something by midsummer. Uh, we're gonna um, provide it as an API in an open source environment and kind of build the rails, hopefully, if mm -hmm. it's successful, to, uh, to let other people kind of build on top of it. Um, so I'm really, really excited about projects like that, um, obviously, self-serving, but there are others as well who are really trying to tackle this uh, rights payments mess. Yeah, well, the other point is always a time lapse, too. For sure. Why, if we can 18 go to months, the, we 24 Mars, months. Yeah. Why, you know, how oh, yeah. come it takes you 18 months to get paid? I, I, watched an I watched a product in my finance hat called Derivatives um, grow 30 words by some people's uh, that's, definition, that's but I, I spent 20 years uh, trading and managing derivative trading desks. Um, mm. I watched it multiply by 700 times in terms of the volume. And there are a lot of, I guess, parallels or lessons that I've learned from that sort of two decade process mm. that I think actually apply to music mm -hmm. um, and the state of the music industry today. We need industry-wide standards to be adopted Right and properly self-regulated. That's a key element here. Everyone gets to choose how they define what they call a song, or mm -hmm. you know, there's no identifier for artists that are that is universally accepted. There's a lot of basic things like that. Um, we also need to just recognize that you know what, you can't take 75 cents of every dollar and run the business that way. Functions, middlemen <laughs> functions need to change. Yes. And technology has not actually. Um, delivered on that promise yet in industry. A lot of reticence to your point, a lot of people saying, nah, I don't want to do it, whatever. Um, but we, we are seeing underneath the, the surface a lot of changes going on. We've, we're actually extremely excited and uh, surprised at even the industry uh, stalwarts, if you will, that have decided uh, they want to work with our project and kind of experiment. So we have a couple PROs lined up to provide data for us. Um, we hope we have a major label imprint that wants to actually run a parallel test as it relates mm -hmm. to um, um, delivery into the DSPs, like the Spotify's. Um, mm -hmm. We have a publisher that we're negotiating right now to see if we can run a parallel test around their publishing um, database. So it's actually more real than you think, is, is the way mm -hmm. I put it, underneath mm -hmm. the hood. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But I think that's an important, if that, if that or any of the other projects that are out there end up having some legs, uh, I think that'll be a great wake-up call to uh, the industry at large to kind of go, hey, we can run this more efficiently. Mm -hmm. And honestly, you can do more creative things as a result. I mean, tracking paperwork is not that much fun. Yes. Making music is. Making but music care, you know, work, work for lots of people, definitely. And I think right. there's a, there's a, there is actually a big revenue uh, opportunity on the back of this kind of change. Mm -hmm. A little high horse, but that's, that's kind of our view.
And there's always uh, virtual reality coming along. I know Benji Rogers yep. is completely into the potential yep. of where that can be as a new source of revenue for the music industry, which ties into blockchain for sure as well. And for our listeners, you should really um, Google blockchain technology and check it out. It's sort of deep, and there's an artist, Imogene Heap, sure. who's very much involved very with, that with that from a publishing mm -hmm. perspective. And I know Benji's worked with her, or yep. no, actually, and George Howard from Berkeley is very much into that, and he's done some work with yeah. her. There's an inner circle of about yeah. maybe 20 of us that kind of are, are thinking this way. Um, and if you'd like to take a look at our project, it's uh, dot .blockchainmusic.com. Dot .blockchainmusic.com. Yep. Okay, that's good. Check that out. And do you have one final question, because it's uh, about time to wrap it up. Um, so I guess we'll be seeing a lot of, um, not a lot, but um, some major changes coming up after what can said about all the projects and everything so um, it will be interesting you know, to see the music the business side of music um, moving towards maybe like a new direction or um, making it easier like our own company like we, we uh, Dave and I have been talking about where they can do everything like Bonnie Raitt is a like great Bonnie example. Raitt does mm -hmm. yeah. where sure. you know they write the stream all the way down to getting their product to consumer yep. Uh, they own almost every piece of it, and it might at some point in time shoot the labels in the foot. I mean, you know. Yeah, I, I, you know, my my take on the label business is, um, and and everybody here knows this, but you know, it, it's a it's definitely a business of hits, right? So, mm -hmm. so so there is this kind of one percenter mm -hmm. market yeah. market oh, yeah. that needs to be serviced, and I think the label community has been extremely good at, the, at servicing that and actually historically had a great pipeline of artists that they were developing and pushing in that yeah. direction if you will right. what what I think is the big risk in uh, not figuring some of this stuff out is actually that development pipeline piece there's mm -hmm. always going to be a 1% market for music mm -hmm. that I think the label community and the large uh, consolidators of, of assets can, can, can continue to play an extremely valuable part in making that work um, what I personally kind of get worried about is in, in this crazy period we're in, mm -hmm. where we haven't quite figured out what the new, the foundation for the new business model is yet, is that you miss this piece. Yeah. That's the yeah. group that's most at risk. Yeah, right. And it, unfortunately, it's in an era where financially, there ain't much gain in doing it right, because there isn't a new model yet, maybe. Yeah. But the flip side is, it's the most creative period that I've seen in the creative arts, right? There's mm -hmm. genre busting, there's all this cool technology, yeah, the cost yeah. of production's gone down. It's phenomenal to be mm -hmm. an artist, except you just can't get paid. Unless you're in the 1% world. That, that, that irony is what, what I think we right. ultimately want to try right. to fix collectively right. as a community. And I, I, I get very excited when I, when I get a chance to uh, work on little things like yeah. that. So, well, it's know. interesting too, because Anderson, when he wrote The Long Tail, thought we were going to go down the tail with the virtual shelf space and we didn't nope. and winds up actually if you don't consumer doesn't find their hit they don't go down the tail they nope. don't just don't do anything and wait you, for you, yeah and there's a lot of data out there by others that seem to indicate that we're actually moving even further towards the one percent you know what i mean yeah the exactly. broad consumer is yeah. actually exactly decreasing yep. its depth yeah. if you will, in terms of activity and listenership. Yeah. There's more yeah. concentrated listenership than ever before. So. Right. Yeah. 
But we do need to wrap it up and it's time to go. But we want to thank Ken Umizaki from Digital Daruma for being here. Thank you. Really Appreciate great. it. Very good to have you. I wish him best of luck. Yes, definitely. I need a lock. Dark, 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 dark horse <laughs> betting or dark <laughs> black, right. black unicorn betting is, a, is, a, is an art right. form. But we thank you. We want to thank J.J. Tom for getting him on here and asking his questions. And being Very good. We want to thank Professor Dr. L. Marconi. Yes, and also my co-host. Professor David Kirk Phil. Oh, excuse <laughs> me. Yeah. I forgot my name too, right? Okay. So we want to thank you. Instead of saying hello at the end of every one of these sessions, we're going to say the opposite word. And in Espanol, they call that Adios! Yeah.